Hey guys, before we get started with this episode of Ringer FC, I wanted to tell you about our sponsor, SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the best app for buying and selling tickets to sporting events, concerts, and more. For $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase on any game or any sporting event, all you have to do is use promo code RINGERFC. Download the SeatGeek app or go right to SeatGeek.com. Now for the show. Yo, 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 yo! Ringer FC World Cup Edition. Micah Peters. It's not coming home, guys. <laughs> Ryan O'Hanlon. They're going home. Boys, we have a final. We have a final! What a fucking intense, epic, gripping, amazing semifinal we just watched. Two-to-one victory for Croatia in extra time over the three Lions. As you boys said, it's not coming home. We saw Mario Mandzukic score 109th minute, a flick on from Ivan Perisic, who basically turned into Cristiano Ronaldo this game. (laughs) (laughs) This was a match with momentum swings, near misses, half chances, desperate defending. I don't know, boys, I'm out of breath. I feel so alive. You know the thing where like you scream a lot and then you get like lightheaded and then a little dizzy and then you just want to sit down for a while and then you can't really form full thoughts, you know? Is that where you were at? That's kind of where I'm at right (laughs) Right, Ryan, where were you at during this 120-minute thriller? I think the first half went sort of exactly how I thought it would. Um, Really? You predicted predicted Kieran Kieran Trippier like scoring... (laughs) A gorgeous David Beckham S free kick. No, from- I predicted England scoring on set pieces and Croatia pumping help like worthless crosses into the box, which is exactly what the first half was. This is true. Um, and then Croatia just dialed up the possession and England just in the first half, England was creating dangerous situations, at least, even if they weren't really leading to high quality chances to keep Croatia honest. And in the second half, England just didn't create shit. And you just can't, you just can't, there's no way you can cede as much possession as they did and not keep the other team honest at the other end. And you saw what happened, you know, so many balls into the box. First one, an incredible finish from Perisic. Um, Kyle Walker and Trippier both kind of fell asleep and let Perisic glide in over their back shoulder. To be fair to Kyle Walker, he had just gotten hit in the dick about five, five minutes true. before that's that. True. So um, his brain was still working overtime. With that's his, fair. The pain. Yep. Um, and then Croatia had all of the best chances from then on out. And same thing happens happens in extra time. A Perisic, I mean, that dude is so fucking athletic. It's crazy. <laughs> um, wins a header, what, 30 yards from goal? Kind of looks completely undangerous and John Stones falls asleep and Mandzukic goes in behind him and just buries a finish and you just can't defend as much as England did I think and expect to get away get away with it but it really felt like they were playing for penalties basically from halftime on didn't it yeah Mandzukic he's a big game player he turns up how is he still on the field after 
Pickford like destroyed his annihilated knee. his knee with his studs. Those knee on knees too are so painful. Mm-hmm. It's kind of amazing that he stayed on, and you know he was kind of limping for like the until he came off. Let's go. Actually, let's go point by point uh, through this match. Uh, you, Ryan, you just touched on everything, but we can kind of quickly review stuff. So as you said, as it started, it was fifth minute, and Kieran Tripper, uh, I guess Deli Ali was fouled at the tip of the box. Uh, by Luka Modric and Kieran Tripper. We mentioned it before. No number 12 had scored yet in this World Cup. He was the first number 12 to do it. And it was also the first direct kick goal, direct free kick goal for England since David Beckham in 2006 against England. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> uh. So the Barry Beckham follows the real Beckham. But at that point, it felt like, uh, Ryan, like you said, England score off a set piece. You kind of got the feeling, you know, like they they, it's, they were pumping with confidence. It felt like they were coming downhill for the first like 20 minutes or so. I mean, like, Yeah, right- you could see that they were feeling like we're this close to a World Cup final. And they had so many chances to extend the lead. But when you saw those chances go awry, you had to be thinking in your mind, like they're going to regret not burying this. Harry Kane had a double miss. I guess one of them might have been offside. Je- Jesse Lingard had an open shot. I mean, that was because they had opportunities to make it 2-0 in that first half. They definitely did. But part, I mean, the crazy thing about this is that Croatia have now played 90 extra minutes in the knockout stages. So basically a full match. Yes. And so I kind of was thinking maybe England being able to sit back and counter against like a presumably dead, tired Croatia team was the ideal situation to be in. And it was. And then that didn't happen. And Croatia was, I think part of it is England is to blame, but also Croatia just was fucking flying over, all over the field in the, in the second half, just winning the ball back as soon as they lost it. And because of that, their England has to rue those missed chances. Yeah, at the end of the first half, I think the stats were basically even. I think they each had a shot on target. Croatia had slightly more possession. Uh, Micah's man's Ashley Young was getting torched a little bit on he that was left side. Getting run to yep. like run ragged by Ante Rebic, but you know, like it was Ante Rebic, so then it would end <laughs> with like a cross getting whacked into the stands. <laughs> Poor Ante Rebic. Ante Rebic, it's amazing he escaped with just a yellow card because he was. And he didn't his get it. Into he didn't everybody. get it until like right before he got subbed off. Yeah, there were no cards actually <laughs> until the second half, which is pretty amazing because Croatia were pretty rough in the tackle. So anyway, the second half started. Ryan noted that Rebic and Perisic switched sides, which he called the classic "I don't know what I'm doing" managerial tweet. <laughs> <laughs> we saw a little bit of shithousery, and Croatia started dominating the ball. Um, what do you think they were doing differently? One, I guess. And two, did you see the goal coming? Hmm. That's to either of you. They didn't necessarily create a ton of super high-quality chances, I don't think, but it was just so much of the ball, and so much of the ball was in England's final third that, like, as a defender, you essentially have to be perfect yeah. basically you you can't make any you mistakes. have to be you have to be on like the entire, the entire time, time which is and which it's is so hard to do that exactly which i mean to your point uh both of the goals like we said earlier were just defenders falling asleep like yeah. if you switch off for just a second then they can capitalize on that was it a matter of cuz i think you pointed out Ryan uh that 
in, in the first half, Croatia had like almost, what, 15 or so crosses that none of them were, you know, completed. Mm-hmm. Did that strategy change in the second half? I think it changed. I mean, they crossed the ball 18 times in the second half, and but they scored on the first cross <laughs> that they completed. <laughs> um, so that's kind of the what it kind of goes to what I'm saying of that if you let a team can t- keep crossing the ball, I guess things are going to happen. But I think, at least to me, it looked like so Perisic and Rebic were kind of playing on the, their opposite foot. Um, so they were both able to cut in, and a lot of the crosses were either kind of early crosses where the defenders weren't sort of camped back in the box or like angled crosses when guys were cutting infield. So it at least gave England just a different thing to have to look at, it felt like. Mm -hmm. It didn't seem like an obvious stylistic change other than it just seemed like the midfield just completely overwhelmed England in in the second half in a way that they just didn't in the first half. Yeah. Well, we'll get to Perisic's equalizer in a second, but moments before that, although it seemed like England were packing it in a little bit and Southgate was content to win 1-0, they still posed a threat. Sterling was still running around and they still had like, you know, although Croatia had more of the ball, uh, England were dangerous on, on counters because of their pace. And around the 63rd minute, there was actually a penalty shot for Sterling, which Ryan at the time, I think you said that's a definite penalty. He didn't really milk it. He didn't stay on the ground or even complain. It didn't go to VAR. I don't know, Michael, what did you think? I mean, like... I Vita, Vita caught him. Yeah, I definitely thought it was a penalty, but I mean, I also... Like, I don't know. I just... I There were... There were too many other wasted chances for me to, like, really single that out as the thing that, like, would have... Turn the game on its head. Maybe I mean, like, of course, if you get a if you get that penalty in the sixty third minute, the game changes. But at the same time, it's just kind of like if we're going to relitigate everything, then yeah, that that's how I feel. It's like at the end of the day, or end of end of the I guess end of regulation, England had taken one shot on target. So right. it's like if a team has a marginal penalty call that they don't get and they're not really creating anything, I'm not going to feel bad. I mean, for me, that's just one of those situations where one. It just pays to f- f- make your make fall a deal out of look it. worse. Yeah. <laughs> and two, like Vita dove in unnecessarily in that situation, and I, you know, I like to see defenders get uh, punished for defending <laughs> wildly in the box. But it's not to me. It's not a. It's a marginal right. sort of issue, right? And like we often see, penalty shot on one end, not called. Moments later, this Perisic finish. I love it. I want to make love to it. It was like <laughs> the right back, Shime Versalco, who was pl- got banged up like crazy against Russia in the quarterfinal, still played, still was probably their best defender or their best attacking defender. As for a sub, nobody was really too happy about that. Um, <laughs> yeah. But he sent the cross in and, and uh, Perisic basically with his right foot, I guess, was his right foot, right? He kind of was just karate kicked it in right above Kyle Walker's head. Yeah. It was a beautiful beautiful decisive finish yeah it was like catching an alley and like double clutch dunking <laughs> yeah well the re- the replay it's you just see him like kind of like dart past uh trippier and then he kind of like darts right past um walker in a way of like he's kind of like in both of their blind spots the way he makes his run you yeah. know what i mean like mm-hmm. he he's directly behind trippier then slinks by him at the last minute and same with walker and i think I think they did fall asleep, but I think Perisic, it was a really nice run um, yeah. in a subtle way, I think. Yeah. 
Yeah, and then moments after that, it was 1-1 at that point. He was kind of heat-checking. He had like a series <laughs> mm-hmm. of stepovers and hit the post. And then England had their chances. Lingard flashed wide. And Rashford ended up coming on for Sterling. But England was starting to look nervous in the back. And it seemed like the only way England were going to score were off, was, would be off a set piece. So how would you guys assess overall, I guess, Kane, Sterling, Lingard? It seems like it's been sort of true of them the entire World Cup. They haven't really produced a lot outside of the set pieces. And why were they nullified? Or was it just bad finishing or like nervousness in the final third? I think I, the things I'm most confused by, I mean, Lingard, I, you know, it's Jesse Lingard. He's a solid player and, yeah. I, and I don't, you know, he he's he got a lot of chances. It felt like throughout the World Cup at the top of the box and maybe if he, you know, if he finishes one or two of those, it's a different story. But again, I don't know if I want to be relying on Jesse Lingard for those chances. <laughs> I And I think, you know, it's, the whole Sterling thing is, I do think it gets underplayed how valuable of a role he plays in them just moving the ball up the field because he's able to kind of... Just a one-man outlet? Yeah. And well, he he's can, a one-man outlet, and also on top of that, his like his he, him being, like having pulse jet engines in his butt. I mean, like it's just kind of like he <laughs> yeah, stretches defense because defense. He's, and it's, he's threatening. Uh, and for all the shit he gets for like his lack of finishing skill, he's very good in like tight areas playing like a give and go yeah. to get the ball up the field. And he's just able to go wherever. The weirdest thing to me is that like what, I don't understand why Harry Kane was just dropping so deep in this game and throughout the whole tournament. He wants the ball. It's, but, but it's like not the whole his, messy thing, you know, yeah, and he's I mean, not messy. Well, the thing is that, know? like, it's, yeah, also dropping that deep and him not being, I mean, I mean, like, I've said this off air to both of y'all on separate occasions. Just like he dribbles, like, he read had a, about how to do it in a textbook. It's not like he's going to be the person that picks the ball from deep and goes on one of those marauding runs. Well, we mentioned this, or Ryan, you mentioned this at one point in the second half when Croatia were kind of taking it to England that. With I didn't even mention Deli Ali, but with Deli Ali, Lingard, Sterling, Hendo, Jordan Henderson was basically <laughs> alone back there trying to stave off Rakitic, Modric, Brazovic. You know, I mean, Croatia was kind of flooding the midfield, and uh, and Hendo was left kind of alone. And maybe that's why Kane was creeping back. Yeah, it it seemed like it, but and maybe Kane was frustrated by Lingard and Ali's sort of lack, lack of, of service ability to get the ball yeah. up the field, but. I agree with the Henderson thing. I think one interesting point is that, you know, England has been able to counterpress pretty effectively this tournament, but they didn't do that in the second half. And I think part of that is because Rakitic and Modric are really hard to press because they're extremely skilled, and I think Brozovic as well. But you need to create attacks to then counterpress your opponent, right? And Mm -hmm. England didn't do that at all in the second half. Um, But the, the Harry Kane thing, it's... he. Only Ronaldo and Messi took more shots this year in all of Europe. And he didn't take more than three shots in a single game this tournament. And he took two today and one against Sweden, which Harry Kane is a goal scorer and he's a goal scorer because he gets a ton of shots and good shots. And for him to just have three shots in 
two knockout games is it's just wild to me. And he's still going to win the Golden Boot. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I don't even think like it, it hasn't been a particularly impressive tournament from Harry Kane at all no, to me. No, it hasn't. It and hasn't. he's going to win the Golden Boot. <laughs> he's also going to score a hat trick in a third place That's game. True. <laughs> the full ninety is played. England, as we mentioned, only had one shot on target. Croatia had four. Croatia basically dominated the second half. What were you guys feeling heading into the into extra time? Did you feel like it was going to be going to penalties or that Croatia would carry the momentum through? Did you give England a chance? That's the first part. And then the second part is, do you think Southgate did enough? Or, you know, it seemed like he was... Croatia carried the play for most of the second half and he didn't really make any changes until late, very late. Well, I mean, the changes he made were, I mean, the Rose sub, I thought was maybe good. just start the game with yeah. Danny Rose. Out or, there. <laughs> or at least at least once you see that Ashley Young is, you know, like I would have done it eating half, up yeah. Rebish's exhaust trails, then maybe you should <laughs> sub on Danny Rose. Well, it felt like as soon as Rose came on, he immediately had like three touches around the penalty box, yeah. which Ashley Young didn't do. And then, I mean, I in theory, I like Dyer for Henderson because you're sticking to your system in a way. Right. But I just would have liked to see someone like Loftus-Cheek come on. Like, the guy is ex- awesome at dribbling th- through, like, a crowded midfield, and it kind of felt like that could have been a really helpful thing. And it felt like... It you, felt like they needed an individual effort to crack something open. Like yeah. uh, Delhi and... Like a, like a Jack Wilshire, maybe? <laughs> <laughs> oh damn, God. damn. England definitely, oh, it definitely would have been coming home if Jack Wilshire would have came to Or the a John Joe Shelby. I mean, <laughs> well, they, did, they, they bring an extra thing to the table, but like Loftus cheek can do that. And I think it felt like Delhi and uh, Lingard just, they were didn't do anything for the last... 45 minutes and then into extra time. So I would have liked to see that instead of kind of Vardy up top against a deep defense. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Vardy came on, I think, after the Croatia goal. Yeah. And, and Trippier eventually had to come off because of injury and they were out of subs. There was like a great shot right before extra time of England trainers massaging <laughs> Trippier's each of his hamstrings. That's also an incredibly sad shot of Kieran Trippier on the bench, like approaching the final whistle, like with the ice bag on his groin. I feel so bad for him. (laughs) So, so Manzukic with the left foot finish off the Perisic flick on Croatia win. It's amazing. I mean, do Croatia have a shot against France on Sunday? I mean, they have a puncher's chance there in the final. That's the thing. Yeah. Like, you win two games in shootouts and you're in the semis and then you have a chance to win the semis. And I, I shouldn't even say that. Croatia really turned the Jets on at halftime. Um, they did. And now they're in the final. Like, it's... 90 extra minutes is a fucking lot of extra minutes yeah. <laughs> on your legs and fatigue adds up. And Spain haven't... They have... Every game's been 90 minutes. Uh <laughs> For them, and they didn't really comfortable ninety minutes. Yeah, <laughs> um, but they have a chance just because they have they have Modric, they have Rakitic, um, and they're in the final, and shit can happen. But it to me, it's again, it's I have a hard time seeing the kind of crossing the ball endlessly strategy working out when you have Varane and Umtiti just eating everything up, and then. 
you know, you've got Pavard and Lucas Hernandez, who are basically center backs also, instead of Ashley Young and Kyle Walker. Mm-hmm. And then it's like Croatia's one huge advantage is their midfield, and now they get to play against Pogba and Conte, <laughs> you know? So it, it definitely seems like it's a lot in France's favor, but... Yeah. Didn't I just say yesterday that I could I saw no way that Croatia had a chance to win against England? Yeah. I did. <laughs> you know what? I think we all you said You know what, that. guys? There's no stats here to support this per usual for me, but there is some kind of je ne sais quoi with Croatia. Some kind of intangible team spirit I see coursing through the veins of that team. Well, they just play in a way that like, this is going to sound extremely basic, but Bring it. They're all just doing shit. You know what I mean? Like they're always like the <laughs> two wingers are, are running at people and crossing the ball. Might be inefficient, but they're doing that. You know, you know what it is? You know what it is? You know how when you were when you were in training and you would be kind of like kind of slacking a little bit when you were doing shadow play and your coach is like, do the extra work. Yeah. Every Croatian player does the extra work. Like yes. they, the second player is making <laughs> yeah. the 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 off the ball run. Mm-hmm. Everybody's dropping back into space. That's shifting like they're supposed to mm-hmm. for the most and they part. Even, they even foul like they mean it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They're, like they don't give cheap fouls. It's like when Lavren <laughs> fouls you, he's fucking fouling you. He's charging a fee and getting his money's worth. God, Lovren. That's two I mean, finals, like, baby. I'm, Champions League and now the World Cup. I'm, I'm <laughs> underrated, underrated moment that we have yet to mention on this podcast is Dayon Lovren, like towards like the end of regulation, just he was just dreaming from 40 yards out. <laughs> that was great. He also cleared the last England free kick. <laughs> Hendo had one of those too. Uh, Klopp isn't there to yell at them, so they're just getting out of their system. <laughs> Micah, do you do you give Croatia a shot against France? Yeah, I mean, like you, you've already heard that. Like I've, while yeah, I mean, like it's definitely they are on paper the the huge underdog, but at the same time, I mean, like they're in the final. Like there's, I've, I, I don't doubt anything after watching Liverpool beat AC Milan (laughs) in the Champions League final that in two thousand five. Yeah, but it's also just like the other hard thing about this hard thing about it, you know, knockout tournaments is like, you know, France has beaten Argentina, Uruguay, and Belgium all in regulation, (laughs) and Croatia beat Denmark, Russia in shootouts, and then uh, England England in extra time. So, like, off the small sample of data we have, things look better for France, but, like, who the fuck knows, you know? Yeah. I just have one request. Can we please see the fucking checkerboard shirt? I think we're going to have to get it, right, with the blue? Yeah. I mean, so how, I still like I, I still am partial to the away jerseys. I mean, like, of course they we do have look to great, have, but just from like a tradition. Standpoint. Yeah, that's true. That's true. What What are we going to remember most about this this England run? Jesse Lingard shoot goal celebration. <laughs> <laughs> Trippier becoming a star. Trippier paving the way to Real Madrid. <laughs> no, I think we're gonna. This is the to me. It's the start of a really good era for England. Yeah. I, I think is the best way to look at it. They were definitely extremely fortunate with the draw and who knows where they are if they end up on the other side. But like, this is a super young team. You know, made it to the semifinals of the World Cup. Presumably all of their players are only going to get better. They're, they have a bunch. They won the U20 and U17 World Cup. So I think, but that's the, that's the, you know, good and terrible thing about international soccer the team could only get better and they might never even reach this point again. Yeah. That's the disappointing part. 
As long as they bring Wilshire to the Euros, it'll be all good. <laughs> all right, that's that. We have our final, France and Croatia. Who would have predicted that? Shit. But let, let's get into some quick news. Chelsea, closing in on former Napoli manager Maurizio Sarri. It's been rumored for a long time. Not quite official, but looking ever so close to being official. Also chasing the signature of 26-year-old Brazilian-Italian midfielder Jorginho. 50 million pounds is the rumor. How do you guys feel about both of these moves? Both of these rumored moves, I should say. Love them both. Yeah, I mean, it's... Chelsea's back! <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Conte and Jorginho. It's hard to think of a better paired two players. <laughs> I mean, other than Conte and Pogba. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's just like, like that was... Imagine playing in midfield for France with like, you know, like your Conte and you're playing with Pogba and then like the World Cup is over and you got to go back and play with Baka Yoko. Baka Yoko. <laughs> <And> drink water. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the, I think I said this earlier today. The whole like Antonio Conte is still technically managing Chelsea and like Maurizio Sarri is going to probably be the manager, but like lawyers have to decide it would be a much, 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 much bigger story if the World Cup was not happening right yeah. now. Yeah. yeah, it's it's really weird. It must be really weird, actually, on the training ground right now. Well, and supposedly they're doing like two-a-days, which because it's Conte. <laughs> so like, yeah. is anyone trying? It's really weird. It's also like the Jorginho thing would probably be a, a bigger transfer story just because like Manchester City, like there was a bunch of reports like saying that Manchester City and Napoli had agreed a fee or whatever. And then now it's just like, psych, Actually, he prefers to live in London, so. I mean, it, them stealing a guy from Manchester City should be big news, but Chelsea just, it's such a weird situation yes. that it's hard to, like, <laughs> feel okay about it yet. Yeah. Let me just get your quick responses to the following minor or less major transfers. West Ham signed 28-year-old Ukraine international Andrei Yarmolenko from Dortmund, four-year deal. Uh, I mean, like, I don't hate it. He was a good option when Marco Royce was unavailable. <laughs> he had decent numbers in the Bundesliga. Didn't play that much. I don't love giving a four-year deal to a 28 guy who's 28-year-old. Uh, Mexico international and Neymar ankle stomper, Miguel Leun. <laughs> He's with Villarreal now from Porto. Three-year contract. Only 4 million euros he cost. He was kind of trash though to be honest <laughs> he just loved shooting from like 60 yards out when Mexico has he's, like a really he, good counter he's active going but he just can't shoot so maybe he's not trash can't shoot but he loves shooting not yeah. a good counter <laughs> <laughs> uh, 23 year old French French just growing center backs huh? on trees or something uh, Clement Clement Lenglet to Barca from Sevilla 31 million pounds this one isn't official yet so I guess he'll join him TD is he going to get in there ahead of Yeri? <laughs> Yeri Bina. <laughs> who's well, that's, a, like, that's a good segue because Yeri boot, uh, boot conversation. Yeah. <laughs> Yeri Mina is Everton. I mean, Everton talked to everybody, <laughs> but Everton's apparently talking to Barca about Yeri Mina because Yeri Mina wants to leave, I believe. And it's looking like he's going to be affordable, like under 30 million. Why? The most Everton thing ever would be to buy Yuri Mina after the World Cup, and then he actually is just terrible. Yeah. <laughs> like, that he just happened to score twice or three three times. Yeah. Uh, file this one under rumor, but Jurgen Klopp remains keen on signing Shakiri. Only like 12 million, 13 million pounds. Apparently, negotiations have started. O'Hanlon, how do you feel about Shakiri and his Albanian bird dance? <laughs> 
I mean, it's just going to be. I shouldn't say dance. For, Albanian bird yeah, flap for uh, for for cup competitions. I mean, he's, that's breaking case of cup competitions. That's decent cover. Um, yeah. I don't know if I see him being happy. Just only rarely playing though. So we'll see. Yeah, it's it's it feels like an Arshavin to Arsenal type of move, where Arshavin came and he's wickedly talented, a little mercurial, and only ended up really playing in the cups. If he gives me that four goal. Arsenal Liverpool game though I'll I'll love him forever I'll get an Albanian <laughs> tattoo. I don't know how closely you've been following Liverpool's preseason tour, but your man's the golden <laughs> hair, Loris Carius. He spilled a free kick in a preseason friendly. It's not Klopp, Klopp insists that his keeper will learn from his mistakes. Mistakes will happen, said Klopp. I don't like it. He doesn't like it. Do you like it? Because Alice is not coming through that door, Ryan. I. I want Loris Karius to be like happy and emotionally stable, but from like a Liverpool perspective, I want him to just make a million mistakes in preseason if he's not going to recover from the Champions League and just force them to get a new keeper. Because <laughs> as it stands, he's the starter still. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I don't feel good about that. <laughs> <laughs> this one's especially oh, for Micah. Yep, N- Nani. Back to. Portugal, Sporting mm-hmm. Lisbon from Whatever, Valencia. man, sure. <laughs> Doesn't that make him like a scab going back to Sporting? I mean, like he just keeps like going back to Sporting after, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, sure, whatever. I've, I mean, I like, honestly, I have nothing else to say outside of it besides sure, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and then this is a big one that actually Ryan clued me into. Ronaldinho, Brazilian legend, <laughs> is launching his own apparently cryptocurrency, very cleverly named Soccer Coin. I mean, <laughs> he's had such a weird last couple of months. Like the promo ad looks like a right wing party in Brazil, and then started a cryptocurrency. It's like he's just trawling the dark web, and it's like, oh, like far right politics. There's frog memes when he's getting involved in this. Ronaldinho no. stopped you know playing what, club it's, soccer it's and, now. <laughs> and just started swimming on the 4chan boards. I would say don't uh, don't invest in soccer coin. <laughs> That's my investment <laughs> advice. If you do want to invest, soccercoin.eu is the URL. <laughs> uh, let's put a cap actually on our the France-Belgium semifinal from yesterday. I'm going to read you three quotes from Belgian players after the match. The first is from the goaltender, Courtois. France heads a corner and does nothing more than defend. I would have preferred to have lost in the quarterfinals to Brazil. At least that was a team that wanted to play football. France are just an anti-football team. We have Eden Hazard. I prefer to lose with this Belgium than win with this France. And then Kevin De Bruyne. Have I been annoyed by France? No, I play at City. I play against teams that play so defensively 90% of the time. That is football. What they do, they do well. Both teams have had opportunities. That one goal makes the difference. Kevin De Bruyne is the only one making sense. (laughs) Did I miss France having 19 shots and Belgium only having nine? (laughs) Fucking Blaise Matuidi had more shots than Kevin De Bruyne, Lukaku, or Eden Hazard in that game, and apparently France was the one who played anti-football. Also, you want to you want to win with a Belgian team that has no that has no wingbacks, and <laughs> I mean plays refuses to bring on your one of your best holding center midfielders until like 
almost the end of the game in a in a semifinal. Talking shit after the fact and being factually incorrect is, is a dope combination. <laughs> <laughs> so of course we have the final coming up on Sunday. We're not back until Monday. Uh, we're going to recap the final, obviously. We're also going to have superlatives, but to tease it, maybe we'll just do one superlative now. Let's you guys do ready? It. Let's do it. Let's just say we've seen every match but one, so let's do best match. I'll give you mine first, and you guys can think while I talk. Mm-hmm. To me, it's Belgium, Japan, round of 16. Japan with the shocking 2-0 lead, and then the way Belgium fought back, and then that finer... Final, excuse me, Nasser Chadley goal with the Lukaku dummy. I'll never forget the goal, the moment, the feeling. That was like the World Cup at its best. So Belgium, Japan. Because we had like the underdog narrative and then we had the team that people doubted kind of conquering their own fears, I guess. Mm -hmm. And then that climactic goal was just everything you want to see in a knockout game. Mm, I can't disagree with that. Um, now I'm going to choose Spain, Portugal, um, Mm. just because, I mean, like I, first of all, the game itself was exciting. I mean, like it was a three, three, there were six goals in the game. Yeah. uh, And Cristiano Ronaldo ties it like on the final kick with a gorgeous free kick. But also there was just the fact that that morning he'd reached a 19, he, he owed the the Spanish government $19 million (laughs) in taxes. And he was just like, you know what? Here you go. Three goals. Have that. And then there was also like the goatee thing just because like everybody was just like, did he do that because Lionel Messi had that one magazine cover where he was holding a goat? And he was just like, I'll show you what a goat looks like. (laughs) Do you think he knew all along throughout this tournament he was going to Juve? He must have, right? It's hard to think that he just suddenly decided after the World Cup. Yeah. Yeah. Ryan, do you have a favorite? What's your best match of the tournament? I think my... My favorite match was Belgium-Brazil, just because it was, you know, to me, Brazil were the big favorite to win, and Belgium just kind of came out with a super interesting strategy and punched them in the face. Well, Brazil kind of punched themselves in the face for the first goal. And then Brazil, it's just fun watching a team, you know, England trying to claw a goal back today was kind of sad. Painful. You know, (laughs) and Brazil was just piling numbers forward playing an extremely high defensive line, created a ton of chances, and Belgium hung on for dear life. And it's, it was a, it's a huge, you know, probably the, you know, one of the biggest wins in the history of Belgian soccer. Extremely dev- devastating win for the presumptive favorite. And I, I think the sort of stakes of that um, is what elevates it above, like, Spain, Portugal, or even, even Germany, Mexico was an awesome game. Just uh, seeing the defending champs get turned on their head. But the... This, the, you know, zero-sum nature of knockout soccer is just, there's, the emotions of that are unlike anything else. Yeah. It's interesting that two of the matches that we picked for best match were on the varsity side of the bracket. <laughs> Which leads one to think, maybe. We'll find out on Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that's it for today. Thank you, Micah. Of course. Thank you, Ryan. Thanks, Donnie. We'll be back on Monday to talk about France-Croatia. The final, who's lifting the trophy? And we'll dish out the rest of our World Cup superlatives. See you then. Peace. Peace.